Hi everyone, this is Dave Wright and welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. First of all, I want to wish all of our listeners and the PDP community all the best during this unprecedented time, not only in coaching and sport, but global history. The COVID-19 pandemic has impacted us all in many ways. For example, I'm currently part of a nationwide lockdown here in New Zealand for a month, and given how fast-moving the situation is, we're all adapting as quickly as we can. We've got listeners in dozens of countries around the world, and many of you will be doing it very tough, so please stay safe and take care of yourselves and your families. During this time, PDP is working really hard on a number of free webinar events, members-only events, and other initiatives to support coaches. If you haven't subscribed to our mailing list, we'll have more events and initiatives like these coming your way, so watch this space. The PDP team are determined to do all we can for our community at this time. Now, as usual, a quick content recap. We've recently published a really interesting Q&A video on the value and place of multiple sports in youth development, which raises a few considerations for coaches and sports administrators. And last week, we published another top blog from the founder of Working With Parents in Sport, Gordon McClelland. This article is called Unknown Damage from the Sideline, and thanks to Gordon for sharing his work. This is a must-read for coaches and parents on ensuring that parents don't overstep the mark with sideline behavior. Now, our latest content forms today's podcast, and it's a portion of a new masterclass discussion on human movement. It was a pleasure to host parkour coach Ben Westbrook and exercise physiologist and physiotherapist Jade Martin. This conversation covers a range of topics, including the importance of children exploring a wide range of movements, parkour as a sport, injury prevention, and much more. For the full discussion, you can head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com and access the Masterclass Discussions section. Before we dive into this conversation today, we're also delighted to have just launched our latest online learning module, which is on designing a session. PDP technical advisor Dan Wright and myself have created a six-hour online course for coaches on session design with lots of considerations, expert clips, and tasks for you to complete when you get back out there on the grass with your players. Sign up as a PDP member at playerdevelopmentproject.com and remember you can access a free trial to our learning platform when you sign up and access our vast library of content for coaches. Thanks for tuning in. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe and I hope you enjoy today's discussion. Hi everyone, my name's Dave Wright and welcome to another Player Development Project Masterclass discussion. Today I'm very excited to be joined by Ben Westbrook and Jade Martin from Western Australia. How are you guys? Yeah, good, Great, thanks. thanks Dave. Great to have you with us and looking forward to this conversation. Now, this is a little bit of a different topic in an area that I think is really interesting for coaches and in the youth sporting space. And we're talking a little bit about physiology, movement, and in particular parkour today, because Ben, you're the head coach uh, of parkour company Movement Co. And you're also going to be involved with Motion Academy, which is really exciting. And obviously, Jade, you're over there as well, uh, sort of working in the physio space and also coaching. Can you tell us, we'll start with you, Jade, a little bit about your background and I guess how you got involved in parkour and these various ventures? Sure. Well, my background, um, I did elite gymnastics um, from when I was about five through to 18. Um, I had a lot of injuries uh, during my time in gymnastics, as I think a lot of gymnasts probably do. Uh, And it kind of led me down the physio route. So I did exercise physiology first and then went on to do physiotherapy. 
I actually started at Movement Co as a member. I wanted somewhere to train that was a little bit different, um, doing some fun things and ended up doing some coaching for them as well. And so I was the strength coach there. Um, and that's also how I met Ben because Ben was the parkour coach there. Mm. Um, I've gone on to set up my own physio practice um, and I also work out of there at the moment. Fantastic. Really, really interesting. And it, it's, it's great when you sort of think about different places and different ways to move. And obviously we'll dive into that. Ben, do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience? Uh, yeah, for me, I've kind of always been a fairly active mover and I just enjoyed generally being active, uh, jumping in and out of a lot of different sports. Uh, I guess I got to the stage probably about six years or so, uh, coming up into sort of my mid twenties and I was less active in life than I probably ever had been. Um, and I kind of then wasn't overly happy with that. I realized I wasn't moving as well. I probably wasn't as healthy. I was working um, as a forklift driver at the time. So I was kind of a lot more sedentary than I had been in previous jobs. So that was when I realized it's probably time to actually get back into something. I wasn't actively doing any sport at the time. Uh, initially, I tried to get back into martial arts, which is what I did a lot of when I was younger. Um, that was a bit of a struggle. I was getting thrown around a fair bit because uh, I wasn't as active as I kind of used to be when I was doing it. So that was a little bit disheartening. Yeah. Uh, I guess sort of in my head, I'd almost expected to be able to just pick that back up where I left off sort of 10 years previously. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. <laughs> um, I kind of had always known of parkour and did a lot of running and jumping around when I was younger, but not necessarily with the structure of parkour. Mm -hmm. So that's when I decided to actually give it a proper go. Uh, found a local group that trained it, went down and did a few sessions with them, um, and then absolutely loved that. Uh, so that was about, about six years or so ago, and not looked back since, then started moving down the path, uh, becoming an accredited coach in it. Fantastic. It's a, it's a great journey, and I think it's often one of those things where you know, when you make change in a personal sense, it's often because you're disturbed by your situation or you want to make a drastic change and head off in a different direction. So it's, it's a great story. Now let's, let's talk to you, Ben, a little bit about some of the parkour coaching um, before we head back to Jade on some of the more physiological areas. But you've obviously been immersed in this yourself. You're qualified as a coach, and I know you're doing some work in the youth space. Um, and, and Motion Academy going forward will be a great opportunity to continue doing that, I'm sure. Is there something, you know, is there something that really um, drew you to parkour and, and what sort of things do you think um, are really valuable in terms of learning the, these kinds of movements, which are so different to other conventional sports? Uh, yeah, I think the thing that drew me to parkour is it's a constant challenge. You need to constantly evolve in it. Um, there's, there's no such thing as mastering parkour. It's, <laughs> it's too broad. There's so many movements involved in it. Uh, you've just always got to constantly work on the next thing, the next project with it. You kind of get one movement under your belt and then it's straight on to the next one. So that's something I've always really liked about it. Even after years and years of practice now, um, there's still areas that I really have to drill to work in just to keep up with, um, especially the younger ones that practice it these days as well. Uh, they're always running circles around us. Yeah, so I think that's what I like about it so much. Okay. Okay. Well, Jade, I, I want to move the conversation and we'll come back to the movement side of things as well, because we've done some interesting stuff at Player Development Project around um, how different footballers, for example, express themselves through different movements. So we can get into that a little bit as well. But Jade, the topic of specialization is an interesting one. And I know that 
um, youth sporting, the youth sporting landscape really is, is starting to shine through in not such a healthy way around injuries getting younger and younger. And in New Zealand, for example, there was a lot of research released by ACC recently around the, the emergence of more and more injuries um, and particularly more adult injuries, things like ACLs getting younger. So yeah. when we talk about an increase in youth injuries in sport, um, what's your take on this from a physiological perspective and, and where does specialization fit into this? It is tricky and it is something that they've been doing more and more research into. And it's really only of late that things are coming to light in terms of our overuse injuries and actually linking that back to specialisation from such a young age in sport. I think maybe years ago, sport tended to be a little bit more diverse. Kids would be doing a little bit of soccer, a little bit of netball, a little bit of swimming. You know, they would be trying all of these different sports. And now where there's such a emphasis on people succeeding in sport and there's now financial reward from sport, it's really leading into this specialisation. And what we're tending to see is that young kids from, you know, even five, six years old in sports like gymnastics are only doing one sport. So you have to remember when they're this young, they're still growing. They still have, you know, relatively soft bone um, and they're being exposed to really high forces, repetitive load. Um, I was reading an article the other day where a coach had banned um, children doing other sports in the off season and then how that then relates directly back to the injuries that we're seeing. So specifically a lot of the growth-related diseases, so something like severs, Osgood schladders, um, your bony ones, stress reactions, um, they're all becoming more prevalent. Um, and it's because of the way that we're training these athletes. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it's really tricky because obviously we want kids to be good at sport and we want them to grow up loving it and enjoying it. But I think we maybe need to look at the way that we are approaching it um, in terms of specialization and at what point do they start to specialize? Can we keep them involved in more sports for a longer period of time before they go just into the one? Yeah, look, I think that's a fantastic message and a really good takeaway for coaches and people who are organizing sports systems as well to just make sure that diversity is there. I know in the past I've worked at football clubs where multi-sport programs will be part of the, the curriculum or the program as such, which I think is a really healthy thing. And I know you guys are doing some work in this space. Jade, just to follow on from that, what advice would you have for parents involved in this? Because obviously we've talked about you know the negative example of a coach banning, um, you know, banning other sports, for example, but in terms of parents, how they can support and create that diversity and also obviously um, avoid injury and, and be active in that. Yeah, I think one thing that a lot of parents or sporting organisations could potentially be better at is actually creating a safe space for the athletes to be able to communicate. If they have an injury or if they have a niggle, having the ability to be able to talk up and speak about it rather than fearing getting told off or being made to train through it. Um, I think if we can create a really open space where, you know, kids feel like they, they can talk, um, they're going to end up having better results long term. We're going to hopefully then intervene, you know, we can get them reducing their training load if we need to and things before it becomes a really long term injury for them. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think it's good advice. And that trust within the environment is so critical. Ben, just going back to you and, and I guess talking about the parkour angle, because, uh, you know, it's a sport which is primal in many ways in terms of the types of movement, the varieties of movement. You know, I sort of, I sort of look back as somebody that played a lot of sport and I look at parkour, I think, man, I would have loved to have had a go at that when I, was, when I was a teenager or could move a little bit quicker than now. 
But can you share some ideas as to the benefits for kids who are getting engaged with parkour and how this may help uh, young athletes who are involved in more traditional team sports, for example? Uh, yeah, well, that's exactly it. Parkour is primal. Um, it's probably the most sort of primal form of movement that you can really get. Uh, it's all about using your body to its full capabilities. Uh, so it's about running, jumping, rolling, crawling, evading, uh, kind of going back to my earlier one of the reason I like it so much is that it's so broad. Mm. That kind of times it ties in with that primal aspect of it. With parkour, you really, you can't hide. There's no, you don't have any weak links. And as soon as you kind of find that you've got that weak link in your chain somewhere, it gets highlighted really quite quickly. Um, if you've got sort of mobility restrictions, you will know about it very quickly, sort of during your training process, that's going to get highlighted. It's very easy to then kind of adjust that so that you can get better. Um, you know, if your sort of cardiovascular endurance is not up to scratch, again, you realize that very quickly when you're training. Um, so I think that's one of the benefits that it has to a lot of athletes there is uh, even just a sort of a couple hours a week of parkour style training can be a really good tool to just highlight where they might have those weak links within their chain that they hadn't noticed during other stuff because it's uh, it might be something that doesn't come up in their football training or their rugby training uh, because it's not such a huge part of the sport but it may be that if it then did come up in their training uh, they sort of come across an injury as a result of it so it's better to come up uh, in those sort of natural circumstances than it is to kind of come up against it when they're in a situation that is going to lead to an injury. And in terms of the benefits for young players, you know, I can think back as a, as a young cricketer, for example, you spend a lot of time uh, running, jumping in the field, diving around, taking catches, and then that may help you in terms of the way you fall if you're out there playing football or you're playing rugby. And, and that kind of um, crossover or, or skill transfer can be quite important. With some of the kids where you've worked, um, worked with them, what are some of the big benefits in terms of helping them with the way they move and, and perhaps the way they land or deal with different sort of challenges within sports? Yes, I think one of the differences with parkour is that you are expected to fall. Uh, whereas a lot of other sports, whilst you know that, yeah, it's probably going to happen at some point, with our students right at the start in parkour, we're very clear and we tell them, you are going to fall at some point. Um, multiple times it's going to happen. So one of the first things we start working on with them is how to actually do that safely. Um, it's not just something that might happen, it's something that will happen, so we actually we know proper techniques, we deal with ways to roll, uh, risk management ways, so kind of the better way to fall if something does go wrong to avoid injuries. A lot of times when I am watching other sports and stuff for the AFL, um, you see these athletes that can do amazing things and then you see them take a trip or a fall and they don't land well. <laughs> um, and then, you know, that's, that's a few games off or that's an elbow that's gone or a wrist. Whereas it really doesn't take a lot of time or work to actually develop these techniques and these methods of falling and rolling properly in a way that firstly reduces the risk and chance of picking up an injury. And uh, secondly, on a smaller scale, just enables you to actually pick yourself up a lot quicker um, to then continue on with play or continue on with your movement. Yeah. And Jay, do you have anything to add on that in terms of your background? Obviously, you know, gymnastics background lends itself pretty well to falling. Is there, is there any additional thoughts to that sort of idea around how the crossover between parkour and some of these other things can help with kids around the injury space or just that, that skill in falling and controlling their body? Yeah, absolutely. And it's because kids aren't doing it as much from such a young age. You know, you walk around parks or 
you know, in sporting fields and kids will be sat on the sidelines with an iPad in their hand rather than actually playing and learning to fall. So something like parkour is getting them back to things that maybe kids would have done 10, 15 years ago, you know, learning to fall, learning to roll, learning how to break a fall, you know, and not to stick an arm out. Those kinds of things are really going to help with, you know, prolonging their longevity in the sport um, and really helping to reduce the risk of injury. Yeah, there's no doubt that screens and, and the change in culture is affecting youth sport. Ben, just going back to you, the, the term physical literacy is sort of bandied about a lot in the coaching space. And I know, for example, at the time of recording, there's a survey happening by a leading researcher in, the, in Europe, uh, Dr. Richard Bailey, who's actually surveying coaches right now to get their understanding of what this means. So if you sort of talk about the idea of physical literacy, what does that mean to you as a parkour coach? For me, I kind of really directly tie moving well with living well. Uh, and this kind of happens from the very start and early stages of your life. If you're a kid that can move well, you tend to enjoy sport a lot more and naturally be more active. Adults that kind of move well uh, and are fairly well balanced. You know, if you look at parents, they're the ones that are in the, in the parks playing, running around with their kids as opposed to the ones that are just sat on the sidelines watching their kids play. And then even later on in life uh, with the elderly, kind of those ones that have had an active life and can still move well through that, they're the ones that are a little bit more self-reliant still and can get around and be mobile. So I think it's a very important thing from a very young age mm. to be able to move well. And uh, as a coach, to also educate the people that we're working with, regardless of their age, about the importance of them taking the responsibility for it themselves. Uh, no one walks around with a coach 24-7 telling them that they need to move well and be healthier. Uh, in terms of how much time they sort of have in their life, they spend a very short amount of it with a coach, be it on a daily basis, weekly basis. Mm. So really educating them to be able to kind of maintain that themselves is very important for me. Yeah, I think also the other thing you touched on earlier was you sort of mentioned the structure of parkour. And I guess people that you know, might see parkour, whether it's a stuntman in the movies or they see a parkour event, they might think, well, that's all about sort of creativity and expressing yourself. So what, where's the balance there in terms of, you know, you, you've obviously got some fundamentals, I'd imagine, in terms of the way the kids have to move, but where's the balance in terms of getting, um, you know, allowing them to create and express and try different sort of, I guess, versions of moving? Yeah, creativity is now a huge, huge, huge part of parkour. Um, there is no sort of one size fits all when it comes to parkour in terms of coaching and in terms of being a practitioner. Everybody moves in their own way. Everybody has their own preferences. Um, so creativity has to be a part of that right from the outset. And from a coaching aspect, I certainly like to be able to kind of see what my students are going to be doing before I tell them what they're going to be doing. Uh, it's a lot easier for me to kind of see what they're capable of, see how they move and then build on that with some structure um, and some coaching points to it, as opposed to just taking a group of people and telling them how I want them to move. If I take 10 different people and try and teach all of them the same method of how to do a role, um, I'd say two or three of them are going to benefit from them, and then seven or eight of them are, are not going to move as well as they could. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if you just kind of ask all 10 of them to do a role, and then tweak their movements so that it kind of suits how they're moving, you see a much better outcome with that. 
I think that's absolutely spot on in terms of advice, particularly if you're a team coach and you're a believer in teaching repeated technique, everybody's technique may be slightly different. Jade, I'll come back to you um, in terms of some, maybe some advice for coaches in terms of what they would, what you would encourage them to incorporate within their environments, particularly if it's those team sports again, and we're looking at that transfer between uh, movement patterns to ensure a balance um, yeah. emerges within those environments. Yeah, I think the starting point needs to be athlete education. I think we need to be telling them and explaining to them why these things are important. You know, if we're asking them to do something, whether it be rehab-based exercises, whether it be mobility, whether it be trying something like parkour, they need to understand why it is that they're being asked to do that and understand what the benefits of it are because we actually need their buy-in too. It's all fine and well for us to tell them to do something. But like as Ben said, we might be seeing them for a couple of hours a day or you know, once or twice a week, if they're not then continuing to, you know, practice or do things on their own and they're not doing their rehab program, then they're the ones that are going to suffer from that. Um, I think in terms of coaching or organisations, trying to really enforce the importance of, you know, your recovery, your mobility, you know, rolling and stretching and all of those kinds of things that they may not see directly relate to a skill development but are actually really important add-ons um, to be able to have the longevity of your athletes. Again, we touched on it a little bit earlier. Rest also becomes really important, especially as they're training more and more. So making sure that they have rest days, making sure that they have an off-season. Uh, AFL is starting to do it a little bit more here in their off-season. You know, we've actually seen some of them trying some parkour, trying some different sports, you know, um, as a way of still training, still staying fit and active but you know, changing the load on the body. Mm. Um, obviously, pre-season is tough and hard, but if they've got a little bit of time to try some other things, it's a really good way for them to stay active, but without the um, repetitive load that they've been having. Mm. I think another thing that I've tried to implement this year with some gymnasts that I've been seeing is the individualized baseline testing. So knowing what someone's baseline is um, and say for the gym girls that I work with, we've done a prehab program for them all. So at the end of each training session, they all get to do their own individualized list of exercises that the coach then supervises. If you've got someone that then comes in with an injury, you know what it is that they need to get back to before you let them back to doing sport. Mm. I think it's very easy to go, oh, you should be able to do this or you should be able to do that, but there's no objectivity to that. It's very subjective. Um, and again, to try and reduce the risk of injury, having those kind of baseline figures can be really helpful. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.